Well, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church Online. My name is Pastor Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration Church, and I am so excited to be able to worship with you in this way. Welcome to the orchard outside of my house. We had the chance, my wife and I, to build a house in the middle of my in-law's orchard a couple years ago, and we love the orchard. In fact, my favorite time of the orchard is in the springtime. Uh, in fact, we recorded a message just a couple weeks ago, and behind me you saw these apple trees that were in full bloom. Listen, this is one of the most beautiful times in the Yakima Valley when these trees are in blossom. I love that time. It is so beautiful. I love having this orchard, a place for the kids to go run and play, and they can ride their dirt bikes. And then I can tell the kids, let's play hide and go seek. You go hide in the orchard and I'll come find you. And after I get a little quiet to myself, I might actually go and do that. I love the fall time when the fruit is, is ripe and I can just walk out and pick one of these fresh, crisp apples right off the tree. And it is so good. But I'll be honest, when I heard a couple weeks ago that they were going to cut these trees down, man, I was sad. I love the orchard. And as you look around this orchard around me, it, it, is that beautiful? Does it look like I'm going to get any fresh, ripe apples off the trees this year? Does this look like a good place to play hide and go seek? And it made me begin to think about what is essential for an orchard. Now this term essential we become familiar with because we have this idea of what an essential employee is. It almost seems in the season like the essential employees are a little bit stuffy, a little staunchy, you know. I'm an essential employee. Really what essential means is uh, essential means it is absolutely necessary. It is extremely apparent. And if I were to ask you what is essential for a orchard, you would say essential for an orchard is, is water and, and trees and branches and leaves and fruit. Over the last couple of weeks, I've learned a few things though. I've learned that what is absolutely essential for an orchard is you need space, you need water, you need roots that run deep, and you need these trunks. This is what makes an essential orchard. This is still an essential orchard. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have some workers come and they're going to take what is essential out here and they're going to graft in new branches. And what, that, what, is, what that's going to do is going to allow the trees to prioritize their energy. It's going to allow these trees to take these, these old trees and, and revive them and make them young and strong. It's going to strengthen these trees. It's going to allow these trees to be better producing and healthier. And I began to think about, man, there's probably some similarities to this orchard and the season for what our church is in. In fact, church today looks different than it did less than two months ago. Many of us are at home watching church on our TV screen from the comfort of our living room. Some of us even still in our pajamas. It looks different than it did a little while ago. And when this whole thing started, I think many of us were saying, we'll, we'll figure this out. You know, it's just a couple weeks. We'll figure it out. And as this quarantine restrictions have continued on and on, man, it's getting tough. And I, I'm with you in that. It's tough. Like I miss seeing people. I, I miss doing the things that we've been able to do as a church. And as these restrictions have continued, some of us now are saying, well, what about our freedoms? What about my rights? You can't deny me from doing church. And so the question that I begin to wonder is what qualifies as doing church? What is essential for church? Is it a stage and lights? Is it good coffee and good refreshments? 
Is it the creativity that our team puts into having good quality services? Is it a kids ministry? Is it men's and women's events? Listen, I love all those things. I miss those things. But what is essential? And while we grieve what maybe we feel like we have lost in this season of church, I think the church is a lot like these trees, where they're causing us to reconsider what is essential for the church. In fact, today we're going to start a new series called Essential. And we're going to ask that question, what is essential for the church? What are the things that we absolutely need and have to have? What are the things that we need to fight for, that we need to hold on to and refuse to let go? And it's also going to give us some insight as to how do we determine the things that are essential and the things that are good and useful or are not quite necessary for us to do church. So if you have a Bible this morning, I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to spend the next five weeks looking at this chapter to understand the, the, the early church, when the church was established, the foundations of that church, and to help us understand what is essential for the church. What do we prioritize? What do we hold on to? And as we look at the book of Acts, I think one of the questions that's wise for us to consider is the book of Acts, is it prescriptive or is it descriptive? If you're not familiar with those terms, here's what that means. Uh, if a book is descriptive, it means it's telling you a story. And so if the book of Acts is descriptive, it's saying here's what occurred when Jesus launched the church in the first century. Here's the beautiful story of that. That's what it means to be descriptive. If it's prescriptive, then the book of Acts is giving us a picture of what the church should look like back then as well as even today in, in our world. And so the question is, as we read the book of Acts, is it prescriptive or is it descriptive? And the answer is yes. It's both of those things. Yes, the, the, the book of Acts is, is descriptive. It gives us a picture, a, a picture of the beautiful work of God amongst the early church in the first century. But the book is also prescriptive, saying this is what the church can and should look like even in our day and age. So we're going to dive into a couple of verses in Acts chapter 2 to help us understand what is essential for the church. And I hope that this conversation will guide us to figure out what church should look like even in this season where we are quarantined from gathering physically. And hopefully when these restrictions are gone, hopefully these should be some things that we strive to continue to prioritize even when we get back to normal whatever that is, and whenever that happens. And actually, I hope that, like these trees around me, I hope that as we focus on what is essential for the church, I hope that the church will grow stronger, that we would grow healthier, that we would grow more fruitful, that we would prioritize our energy as to what is most important. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, Nathan read that for us earlier. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And the key word, the key word before we look at what is essential is that word devoted. In fact, if you have a Bible in front of you, would you underline that word or highlight it or circle it or do something? It says that they were devoted themselves to a list of things. See, the reason this is key is what you and I are devoted to. What we, what we devote ourselves to, it shapes 
and informs and directs how we live. It shapes how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our energy. What we are devoted to is the lens for how we view the world around us. It shapes and gives definition to the meaning of our lives. And we can be devoted to a lot of things in our life. We can be devoted to our career, to our appearance, to our sexual identity, to our finances. We can be devoted to the affirmation of people. We can be devoted to relationships. We can be devoted to a lot of things. In fact, you can watch a husband forsake his wife. You can watch a man forsake his family all for trying to get ahead in his career, to get ahead at work. And what he's doing is he's showing you his devotion. He is showing you what's more valuable to him. Without actually saying the words, he is telling everyone around him, I'm more devoted to this. I'm more committed to my work than these other things. I am more shaped by this. This is more important to me. And here in the book of Acts, in light of all the things that we can be devoted to, the, books of Act, the book of Acts is telling us in Acts chapter 2 what is essential. In terms of the church and in terms of us as Christians, the book of Acts is telling us that this is essential. This is most important that we devote ourselves to. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to join me. And let's pray and ask God to help us prioritize the right things. Let's ask God to help us love the church as he has established it. Let's ask God to help us see what is essential in the church and in our lives. Let's ask God to help us love the church as he planted it so many years ago. And the first thing it says they were devoted to, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This is the word of God. They were devoted to the thing that I hope is sitting on your lap. They were devoted to uh, the app on your phone. They were devoted to maybe the book that's on your bookshelf. They were devoted to the Word of God. They were committed to it in a way that it shaped them and it shaped the way they live. I mean, honestly, perhaps the greatest crisis facing Christianity today is the fact that many Christians, we don't know our Bibles. We don't know the Scriptures. We don't know doctrine. We don't know what the Bible says. In fact, in fact, we have based our modern-day Christianity, instead of basing it on the Word of God, we base our modern-day Christianity on our emotions, on our gut. In fact, the book of Proverbs chapter 14 says this. It says, there's a way that seems right to man, and in the end, everybody dies from it. Now, it almost sounds like a joke, but that's actually what the Bible says. The Bible says that your gut is wrong. That when you are weighing everything out, when you're looking at all the decisions in front of you, uh, and you think, man, this is right, the Bible says that's not right. He says there's a way that seems right to man, in the end, it's the way of death. And because of this biblical illiteracy, because we don't know where the scriptures, and because we like our own views so much, what happens is we begin to look for churches, we look for leaders that share a message that fit our views. Leaders who wander away from the Word of God into maybe spiritual cliches at best, or at worst, man's own thoughts and ideas. And the result of this is we have this ignorance to the Word of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he said this was going to happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says there's a time coming 
when people will not endure sound teaching, that having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, to turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. And as we talk about what is essential for the church, the church, what is essential for us is that we take a seriousness to the Word of God. In fact, this is what we have tried to, to root Restoration Church in. I mean, I've said this time and time again, listen, I'm not all that smart. I don't have that much to say. This is why at Restoration Church, we continue to point to the Word of God and teach the Word of God because I just don't have too much to, to say. We allow the Word of God to speak. And the reason we do this, I love this because the Apostle Paul also says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You see, the Word of God informs everything on how we live. It informs all of our lives. In fact, you want to know how to worship and what worship looks like? The answer is found in the Scriptures. You want to know how to live a good life, how to be a good Christian? The answer is found from the study of Scriptures. You want to know how to conduct yourself at work, uh, how to have a strong marriage, how to raise godly kids. You want to know how to be a good citizen of your country? All of those answers are found in a study of the Bible. And if you want to know God, if you want to truly know who God is, you want to know uh, His character, you want to know what His will is, you want to know what His plans and His purposes are, listen, those things are found in the Word of God. The Word of God is a revelation of God to Himself where He explains and reveals to us who he is. So we actually know God through the reading of scripture. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying the word all scripture is breathed out by God is profitable for us. And he continues in 2 Timothy 3 verse 17 and says, so that the man or the woman and the child and the youth of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I'll be honest, I've read that verse dozens and dozens and dozens of time. And this week, it took on a completely new meaning to me. I mean, let's just, let me ask you this question. I want you to be honest. How often in your life do you feel complete? Like everything is just right. You feel like it's just the way it should be. You feel complete. For me, man, it's a struggle for me to feel that way. Part of that is shaped by my upbringing, where I struggle with these insecurities, and I struggle with this people-pleasing tendency. And so, for me, I'd always view completeness as being based on people accepting me. But because of these insecurities, it always felt like it was so far off. I always felt like I could never get there because these insecurities run deep. In fact, I would say my life feels like I'm, I'm running on a treadmill, where I'm running, but I'm not actually getting anywhere. Even today, there's still times I struggle with these things. And the revelation this week was, was as I lean into the Word of God, as I allow the Scriptures to bear weight on me, to shape my life, and I build my life on the Scriptures, that God gives me this supernatural completeness where everything is right, that He equips me to do all that I am called to do. See, I always thought maybe this was like a confidence that God gives me as I take the Word of God seriously, as I allow my mind to be rooted in Scripture. But now I think it's something more. I think that God gives us this completeness as we devote ourselves to the Word of God. That we experience this completeness, this assurance that God is with me. 
that we can go through the day without seeking people's acceptance because we know that we are accepted by God, that we are complete in Him, and that He is with us. See, the Scriptures, they guide our day. They guide what we do. Psalm 119 says, God's Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And see, because we have failed to vote, devote ourselves to the Word of God, it leads the church to be ignorant on what matters most. Because we're not devoted to the Word of God, because we don't see its seriousness, now it seems like we have a generation of Christians who no longer know what we believe. We don't know why we believe it. And therefore, we struggle even having confidence in the things that Scripture teaches us, the things that should be true about God. And so here we are in the midst of the quarantine virus, when the world around us is filled with uncertainty. The world is filled with fear and anxiety and angst because of the unknown. And the world is watching. The world is watching us as Christians. They're looking at the church to see how are we going to respond. And honestly, how do we expect us to be salt and light to the world around us when we have nothing more to offer than our own little spiritual cliches, our own intuition, and our own uncertainty of our beliefs because we don't know the scriptures. See, this is where we've got to devote ourselves fully to the Word of God. And this is beyond Bible teaching on a Sunday morning. That is important. But our devotion to the Word of God has got to be more than just what we do on Sunday morning. God wants you to feed yourself, not just allow other people to feed you. I mean, you think about this, a once-a-week meal is not enough to sustain you in real life. So how would we consider a once-a-week meal in the Scriptures to be enough to sustain you in the middle of everything we're facing in our lives? I know, the question becomes, well, I've tried to read, and it's overwhelming. I don't know where to start to read. I don't know where to, to, to plug in. Man, let me, let me encourage you in this. Don't start in Lamentations. Don't start there. Start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read about this life of Jesus. It is a great story. Jump in and read that. If you're overwhelmed, don't know where to start, start, start in the Gospels. I know some of you are saying, well, well, I've tried to read it and I just don't understand. I don't understand what I'm reading. Here's a hint for you. Listen, the King James Version is a beautiful version of the Bible, but maybe that's not the easiest version to read. Find a translation that is easy to read. For me, I study, I study to preach out of the English Standard Version. But my normal Bible that I read every day is a Christian Standard Bible. It is about a fifth grade reading level, and I love it. I love reading God's truth in a translation that is easier for me to understand. I know some of you are saying, well, I've tried to read the Bible and it's just so confusing. I couldn't understand what I was reading. Listen, do you realize, here we are in 2020, do you realize the amount of helpful content that is available to you at any moment in our day and age right now? When you've got commentaries, you've got Bible podcasts, you've got study Bibles that are all available to you on your phone and on your device. Yet somehow we find ourselves to be more interested in TikTok and the Tiger King than we are to actually study and read the Word of God. You see, here we are in the season where we can't gather physically. And I am longing till the day that we return. I'm longing till these restrictions are gone and we can gather physically again. But while we cannot gather physically, let's remember what is essential. And that is the Word of God. Let's 
devote ourselves to it. Let's commit to it. Let, let, let's pursue it at all costs. Let's not be confused and blinded by our spiritual cliches, by our emotional responses. Let us devote ourselves and be rooted in the Word of God so that God would reveal Himself completely to us so that we could know Him deeply, so that we could know Him completely, so that we could be made complete in Him. So let's allow the Word of God to inform our hearts, to inform our minds. Let's allow Scripture to teach us when it's necessary that we learn. Let's allow the Word of God to rebuke and correct us where it's necessary that we be rebuked and corrected. Let's allow the Word of God to train us in godliness where it's necessary that we grow to become more like Him. Let's allow the Word of God to anchor our hearts and our mind as to who God is, as is to, is to His plans and His purposes for our life. Let's allow our hearts to be rooted and anchored in Scripture of who God is. Listen, and let's recognize that one of the key components to a church, to a Christian church, is not engaging worship. It's not the size of the church. It's not the programs that they offer. The key component for us is whether the Word of God is prioritized, whether the Word of God is taught, whether the Word of God is the foundation for all that the church does. That is what is essential. And beyond that, that is what has got to be essential in the lives of us as Christians, that we have got to figure out how to engage with the Word of God on our own. Listen, I know how many of you, how many of you struggle to be consistent in your reading of the Bible? Man, my hand goes up with that. I've struggled with that in my life where I find myself to be inconsistent. Times I do really well, times I struggle. And what I've had to do for myself is I've had to really figure out how do I devote myself to this? How do I commit to myself? How do I do hard work to be consistent in reading my Bible? So I've got just a couple of practical ideas for you to maybe jump in and get started and, and devote yourself to it. Number one, we've already said this, choose a good Bible translation. Choose a translation that is easy for you to read. Like I said, the King James is beautiful, but maybe there's an easier translation for you to read. Number two, again, choose a good spot to read in the Bible. The, the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are great. Genesis, Exodus are great. The Psalms are great. Choose, some, choose something that is easy to read. Number three, maybe you should try the audio Bible. In fact, I did this for a season of my life where I had a 10 or 15 minute commute to work. And I would plug my phone into my radio in my car and I would listen to the Bible on the way to work. And it was great. My wife does this when she's getting ready in the morning. She'll listen to the Bible as she's brushing your teeth and doing those things. Listen, maybe for you, it's the audio Bible that you can just listen to the Bible being read. Another thing that worked for me for a season is when you're laying in bed before you go to sleep, instead of being on your phone checking out Facebook and Instagram, man, why don't you get the Bible app on your phone and read the Bible for those few minutes before you fall asleep? In fact, I think the Bible app is such an amazing gift. I love the Bible app. I love the fact that there's that social setting. And for me, one of the things that we did, that I did that was helpful for me, is I did a reading plan and I shared it with my wife and I shared it with my kids. And so we're reading it together and there was an accountability. And I love that I could see the verses that they were highlighting, the notes that they were taking. We could share that back and forth. Man, the Bible app, read it on your phone. Read it in bed before uh, you go to sleep. 
for me, this season for me, what I have found to be the most fruitful is that when I make my coffee in the morning, I'll sit down with my Bible open. I'll sit with a pen and just be able to underline and circle and look at cross-references and write notes. And that has just been so amazing to me. In fact, today, one of the things we're going to do on our Restoration Family Facebook group, if you're not a part of that, love for you to join But in our Restoration Family Facebook group, we're going to put a new seven-day Bible reading plan. And we're going to encourage you, hey, here's a text. Let's read this together. Let's share some thoughts. Let's share some things that we're seeing from Scripture. Let's do this together. Let's figure out how to devote ourselves to the Word of God together. Even though we're quarantined, we can still commit ourselves and devote to the Word of God. You know, I've found for myself is as I have taken the Word of God seriously, you know what I love the most? You see, sometimes I think the Bible can be confused as being a rule book. And you've got all these rules, and if you just follow all the rules, then God will be pleased with you, and God will love you if you do all these things. But you see, as I have taken my study of Scripture seriously, as I've consistently read the Word of God, I have found that every story bleeds the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the redemption and the restoration that God offers Every page, every story, it leads and pleads to the redemption offered in Jesus. In fact, when I read the Old Testament, I look at these Old Testament characters and I'm like, man, these guys were so screwed up. It's incredible that God used people that were as crooked as these people were. But you see, all of the Old Testament, it points towards God's work on the cross. All the Old Testament, it points to the fact that God redeems us from our own brokenness, our own crookedness, our own sin. All the Old Testament points us to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And then as we look into everything after the cross, we look into everything in the New Testament, which includes our sanctification, which is how we grow, how we become more godly in our lives. All of that flows out of the grace and the love and the redemption that we find on the cross of Jesus. And everything in the scriptures, it points back to the grace, the forgiveness, the love, the redemption of Jesus. And so the more that we know the word of God, the more that we know God, the more we know the heart of God. And that's the heart of grace, the heart of forgiveness, the heart of an unfailing love. That when we can face hard times, because we can be secure in knowing that God is with us, that God is present, that even though I may not understand what's happening, that God is working things out for my good and for his glory. Restoration Church, I love you guys. And so I'm asking you today, would you make that commitment with me? Would you make this commitment today to devote ourselves to the word of God? Would you make a commitment that you would read out of the scriptures every day this week? Would you make a commitment to study the word of God and just see what God would do in your heart and in your life? See how God would speak to you. And let's be a people that are devoted to what is essential. And that is the word of God. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you that you have given us this book. I want to thank you that you have given us a revelation of your love and your grace and your forgiveness towards us. And God, I am challenged in this season because I miss seeing people. But I'm challenged to consider, God, what is essential? What is essential for us as a church? And first and foremost is the fact that we take the Word of God seriously, that we devote ourselves to it. So God, I pray that you would give us that hunger. I pray, God, that we would hold your Word in esteem, that it is 
perfect as it is. Like God, you've given us your word for teach, to teach us, to correct us, to train us in godliness. God, I pray that as we have these uh, struggles with the word of God, we don't know where to start, we're overwhelmed, sometimes it's confusing. God, I pray that we would be people who take it seriously, that we devote ourselves, that we commit to understanding it. We look at the resources around us, we ask for some help. God, I pray that this week as we make a commitment to read, that God, you would speak to us. You would help us to understand how the Word of God helps us to know you deeper, helps us to be rooted in your gospel, to be rooted in the redemption and the grace and the love and the forgiveness that God, you have for us. And God, I pray that we would allow the Word of God to shape our lives, to shape how we live, to shape how we worship, to shape how we do church, to shape what it is that we are trying to accomplish in our lives. God, I thank you that you have given us your word so we can know you. What a gift it is to us. God, I am so thankful for this opportunity to gather together. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us this week, that you would anchor our hearts in your word. And we look forward to be able to come and return together again. God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.